Hello and welcome to the 9 in 10 News for the Community by the Community podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hunter, and having grown up in northern Michigan, something I have always personally loved about this area is the love and support that comes from every corner of these northern Michigan communities. So the goal of this podcast is to promote and get to know the many local nonprofits and charities and their work along with individuals who really leave an impact on their communities through outreach or volunteering. If you ever want to nominate a group or individual, please send me an email. That's at Courtney Hunter, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-H-U-N-T-E-R at 9in10news.com. I'd love to hear all about who's making a difference where you live. As more file for unemployment and lives change, more people are relying on nonprofits to fill the gaps they no longer can. Rotary Charities of Traverse City studied the needs filled by local nonprofits, and today, Executive Director Becky Ewing joins us to break down what they learned. Hi, Becky. Thank you so much for talking with us today on the For the Community by the Community podcast. Uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Courtney. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here this, this morning with you. Um, I am the executive director of Rotary Charities of Traverse City. I have um, served in this role for um, just uh, almost almost two years. Before that, um, I was staffed to the foundation. Um, and um, before that, I actually co-owned and ran an environmental consulting firm. I did some work with um, Northwestern Michigan College to develop the Water Studies Institute. And so I have, um, I have a, a background in, um, I have degrees in English and biology. So I have kind of a um, both-sided brain, um, uh, master of all trades, uh, or jack of all trades, <laughs> master of none uh, kind of approach. <laughs> So, um, but this work of being part of uh, Rotary Charities has been um, just an incredible gift. Um, it's an organization that has been a gift to our community for over 40 years, uh, providing over $63 million uh, in grant funding to the five counties and also um, working in, an, in a niche that a lot of foundations here locally don't work, which is systems change and capacity building. So um, we are sort of uniquely positioned right now to, um, to see what's going on in, in the system um, of uh, delivery to people who are hurting. Yeah, the coronavirus has definitely taken a toll on every single person, really, whether it's unemployment or figuring out how to work from home or, or or the the virus itself or your health so it's it's kind of a, impacting everything there is but nonprofits specifically you guys did a study on um on their needs right now and and can you talk me talk to me a little bit about that study sure so um as we entered into um this this new covid uh 19 world we as a staff decided that it would be really helpful um, for us to make decisions going forward if we were uh, had our antenna out and listened to what's happening um, not just in our community but then also we're constantly scanning the landscape for what's going on uh, nationally and and beyond uh, the nation 
to understand what our philanthropic partners in the world are doing and how they're responding at a time of chaos. So this particular study was really focused on um, folks here uh, hyper-local, mm-hmm. so in that five counties, um, and we, we just we tried to keep it simple and ask just a few key questions because we knew everybody was struggling to adapt in a very quick way to a rapidly changing situation. Um, and so that we had almost 100 responses, which was a pretty good response rate in a time of chaos. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, go ahead. No, I was agreeing for sure. That's, I mean, with so much going on, it's it's nice that people were able to respond and get you that information because hopefully it will help them in the end too. Right, right, because we, we had a notion that we needed to shift some of the things that we were doing to be more responsive to these emerging needs. And um, instead of just trying to guess and, and, you know, pin the tail on the donkey um, in some way, we really wanted that to be an informed decision. And certainly our board um, expects that uh, from us as we begin to shift and change. Um, so. And I looked through the study earlier. It kind of talks about some of those main needs. Of course, nonprofits are always looking for donations and things like that. But especially now more than ever, I know the study mentioned that a lot of these nonprofits that you guys heard back from said, you know, March and April are kind of their slump months as it is. So, I mean, what? how can people help some of these these charities right now? Well, um, you know, nonprofits have um, across the across the country have um, evolved over the course of the last thirty some years to be uh, gap fillers. So things that government maybe used to fund but don't fund anymore. Um, nonprofits are just a critical component of. Um, of ensuring stability and um, resiliency in our region. Um, and so I just want to say that, that they're, um, they're, they're not a, a nice to have, they're a need to have. Um, and they do fill a critical gap. And, and one of the things that uh, we know about nonprofits, what we heard in the study was that, um, you know, oftentimes they're gearing up for their special event. Um, they have to, a lot of nonprofits live hand to mouth because um, the, the money comes in from donations and grants and maybe some program revenue. Um, and they have to um, deliver, deliver services too. So they're a business in that they have to, um, they're running a business and they're delivering some kind of service. And um, the, the difference is they have to raise money in order to deliver that service. So there's this added component of um, sometimes there's a social enterprise. Um, and in this time, I mean, think about Goodwill, Women's Resource Center, Salvation Army, who have these thrift stores and resale stores that comprise a big chunk of monthly dependable revenue for them. They've had to shut all those stores down right now. So that cuts off a big stream of, of funding. Um, and, and likewise, um, the um, special events, the gala events, the, um, you know, the various uh, fundraisers that nonprofits depend on to generate uh, revenue are also not able to happen or they have to happen in a completely different way. So nonprofits are really hurting now and it's the it's 
it's the nonprofits that are health and human service related and frontline related in this time of crisis. But what we're hearing from other philanthropic and research organizations is, you know, donors will be directing money there that maybe they didn't before. And the 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 other nonprofits sort of in a secondary tier that are going to suffer are the arts and culture, environment, recreation, some of those nonprofits that make this region so special and so attractive to others. So it is the urgent emergent need right now to feed people and house people and keep them safe. But then there's also this um, the, the system that we've set up in, in the region of having a really thriving arts and culture um, scene of having beautiful natural spaces that have been preserved for us to use. Um, so it's, it, it's a both and right now um, all nonprofits are hurting. Yeah, and especially at a time where a lot of people need them most right now. So exactly. while... Well, you know, I feel like the obvious thing, too, is if you have the ability to donate to some of these charities, that's that's a huge plus. But I know a lot of people are also struggling financially right now. Did they mention, you know, a lot about how people can help in other ways? Because I know uh, the study also mentioned they're, you know, trying to take things virtual and, and from that work from home type perspective. Are there any skills that they're looking for that people could could lend their knowledge if they don't have the money to give? Absolutely. So um, actually, the United Way has set up a link on their website for volunteers. Um, And so that's a really great place for people to to look. I mean, if if there are some tech people out there who uh, maybe are laid off or um, maybe they're more flexible because they're working from home, one of the big needs we did here um, was was nonprofits moving to remote work. Um, and that means, you know, having the, the hardware that you need in order to do that, but it also means having the, um, the, the broadband connection. And a lot of our, even our, our slightly rural areas and then our very rural areas don't have that connection. So, um, yeah, that would be a great way to volunteer. There are some um, other volunteer opportunities um, beyond that that I would highly suggest people go to the United Way um, website to check out um, and see where they might be able to to give some of their time uh, and expertise for sure. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people are thinking, you know, a lot of things are closed, or I know a lot of food pantries, their volunteers are often uh, some of those people who are a little more vulnerable, so they're not able to come in and volunteer right now. So the important thing to remember is that there are still volunteer opportunities, they just might look a little different right now, right? Exactly. And, um, you know, trying to maintain all of the um, the health precautions that we know are, are are what we need to do in this time. So, you know, providing masks or bringing your own masks, staying six feet away from others, um, wearing gloves and washing your hands a lot. So there are there there's still an opportunity to volunteer, um, and um, and, and it, it is a really great way. I think also, you know, just working remotely myself, there are. Uh, there are days when it's really tough, mm-hmm. um, and to, to to get outside yourself and outside this sort of isolated place we find ourselves and give back can be a very healing thing for others. Yeah, absolutely. 
And um, I know you guys, there was something in the study also about the Urgent Needs Fund. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so that is a fund. You know, I want to lift back just a tiny bit to talk about um, collaboration because that's something that certainly we as a funder are, are looking for in our grantees. And funders don't always model that same collaborative behavior that we ask our grantees to display. So um, this, I think, is just a tremendous model of collaboration between funders. And we had, um, we have about, we convene regional funders here. There are probably 30 plus um, folks from uh, all kinds of foundations and then, you know, individual donors to talk about, um, you know, issues and, and what we're seeing and what we're funding. And so we use that group to have a conversation um, with the Community Foundation, United Way, the Olson Foundation, the Harrington Fitch Foundation, and Rotary Charities. We were kind of the, the, the five who um, came to the table to say, what can we do? Um, and um, so we, we all came together and then we talked to this um, group of, of funders and um, <clears throat> the power of bringing, um, instead of us giving an, an, a single dollar in community, hoping we're going to feed somebody, what this allows folks to do is make a donation at the Community Foundation to the Urgent Needs Fund. And then we meet, um, the, that group of five meets every week to look at the grant applications. Um, and it's, it's really intended for folks um, who are working on the front lines of the COVID crisis. Um, and so feeding, transportation, um, other needs like um, uh, hygiene items, that sort of thing, um, and getting, getting the dollars together and consolidating that money in one place has really leveraged quite a bit. So there has been um, a couple of, there have been a couple of uh, challenge grants uh, for folks who are interested in donating. And um, there was a $55,000 donation to that fund from an anonymous donor. And that was met in less than two weeks. Um, Rotary Charities Board um, a week and a half ago said that they wanted to put another, we put $10,000 in originally. They put in another $50,000 as a one-to-one challenge grant um, for community members to come alongside us to fund this. And so I think we're um, over halfway there meeting that challenge already. Um, But it's a a way to give a dollar and get two into the community in the way that's most needed. Um, So I think to date, um, we're, we're on track to raise over half a million dollars. That's incredible. And it kind of helps people who are saying, you know, I want to help. I have the ability to help right now and donate, but I don't know where to start. So you, we're, people are able to donate to that fund, and then you guys are able to assess where it's most needed, how it can be most responsibly spent for, for the needs that need to be met, right? Right now, yep. Yep, and our, our board, you know, our organization doesn't typically fund things like this, and I really salute our board and being nimble and um, being willing, based on what they heard in this study, to say, you know what, we don't typically fund, um, uh, you know, emergency needs like this, but we're gonna we're gonna shift and we're gonna put some money there because this is this is what we're hearing from our community. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely a time where everybody needs to be flexible. And so it sounds like that's what you guys are, are doing. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. It's been, it's been really, um, uh, it's been a really great, successful um, um, campaign so far. And, and I think um, the, the application is really simple. So if nonprofits that are working in that space are interested in applying, it's just a three-question survey or three-question application, basically. And like I said, we meet every week to make those decisions. So it's a very quick turnaround. And is that just on your website, or where can those nonprofits find that application? Certainly, you can link to our website, but go right to the Community Foundation website. So the web address there is um, GTRCF. So Grand Traverse Regional Community Foundation.org, and you'll see the urgent needs fund there. And so I know you said that you guys have been meeting weekly to kind of discuss these things. Have you made any contributions so far? And if so, where have they gone? Right. So, um, and I can actually send you um, a, a complete list if that's helpful. I can send you a link to a complete list. But um, we have funded um, anything from um, Salvation Army to Generations Ahead, the teen parenting program at Traverse City High School, um, to um, the uh, Goodwill for the increased costs that they have for staffing and cleaning at the end. Um, for the for you know sheltering homeless folks to safe harbor to um, uh, the Northwest Michigan Food Coalition, which is um, an amazingly consolidated way to get money to food pantries. Um, they're working extremely collaboratively there um, to food rescue, getting fresh food to folks in the in the pantries. So it's it's kind of soup to nuts um, looking at those key areas for, for survival. Yeah, for sure. And so you mentioned, I, I missed the list you said earlier. So it's Rotary Charities and which other four organizations have come together to kind of spearhead this urgent needs fund with the... Uh... Right. The Community Foundation. Yeah. Um, United Way. The Olson Foundation and the Harrington Fitch Foundation. Gotcha. And is there anything else that um, kind of sticks out in the study that you would either think it's important for nonprofits to hear to know how you guys can help them or for individual listeners across Northern Michigan thinking, you know, how can I help? And if it's not monetary, um, you know, are, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I would say um, one of Find your non find your favorite nonprofit, if, and if you can, send them money right now. Don't wait till the end of the year to make your gifts. If you don't have money, um, then look at that volunteer uh, the volunteer opportunity list at the United Way, um, and see what you can do there. Um, the other thing that I think is um, very underrated, and it's something that we certainly try to do as a foundation, is amplify the stories of these nonprofits. So, fr- you know, friend them on Facebook, follow them on Instagram or Twitter, 
um, and send that message out to others because that amplification of the message and the great work nonprofits are doing to say, literally save lives in our region and then also improve the quality of life is one of the greatest things that you can do. I think the power of social media um, and that's another really pretty easy thing people can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, really, really showing the nonprofits our appreciation and our love for their work is extremely important in this time because they are, uh, you know, I, I just saw a story on the Children's Advocacy Center as an example, um, from, you know, and, and they are treating kids who are being um, sexually abused. And um, during this time of isolation um, and, um, and staying home, the kids, some of those kids who are living with the predator mm-hmm. are so at risk. So when you think about um, the hard work a nonprofit does, that to me encapsulates a lot of the frontline work, saving lives, and and helping helping those that are most vulnerable find a way. And um, times like this really highlight the weaknesses in a system. Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot of inequity uh, built into the systems as we have have constructed them over generations, right? And um, the, the nonprofits and businesses and government and foundations that are working to get further upstream on these really wicked social problems um, are, are th- during a time like this of great chaos and disruption, we start to see the system more clearly. Like this is a weak link and we have an opportunity to fix this weak link. And so um, that's the other lesson that we are watching and learning um, how people, how, how cross-sector people come together to solve the most difficult problems. And in a time like this, it's it's a really tough time, but one of the I think rays of light that we can count on is we're we're gonna see how those that are most vulnerable in our region are most affected, and how can we maybe move further upstream um, to to take some of that inequity out of the system. Yeah, find some new ways to so help. That people. gives me hope. Yeah, for sure. Well, we will, of course, post a link to the application to nonprofits on 9and10news.com, as well as a link to the study if people are interested, um, because it is really eye-opening. And I think, yeah, if more people can just find ways to help, whether that's volunteering, whether it's donating, or whether it's through the Urgent Needs Fund, where it's just kind of, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to let you guys handle that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, every little bit helps. Yeah, well, I, Courtney, I really appreciate your um, willingness to do a little deeper dive today to think about um, how people can be most helpful during this really difficult time. So thank you for, uh, thank you for taking the time to um, read the study and digest the information and um, help get the word out to, um, to your listeners. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Becky. 
Again, that was Becky Ewing, Executive Director of Rotary Charities of Traverse City. Just head to 9in10news.com for more details on how you can get involved. As always, if there are any groups, nonprofits, charities, or even exceptional individuals you'd like to hear about, please email me at CourtneyHunter at 9in10news.com. From podcast producer Joe Busick and myself, thanks for listening to the 9 in 10 For the Community by the Community podcast. The For the Community by the Community podcast is brought to you by Travers Catholic Federal Credit Union, financial services for the community, established 1950.